Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the territory around Jerusalem as we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And the rulers of the people, chapter 11, dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people also cast lots, that one in ten might dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts dwelt in all the other cities. So when they came back, they actually inhabited quite a bit of the territory, down towards Hebron, Beersheba, on up to Ramallah, Bethel, and, and all, quite a bit of territory. There was only about 50,000 of them. And so they decided that one in 10, which means about 5,000, would dwell in Jerusalem. They wanted to maintain the capital city so they'd have a place of worship and all. And the rest of the people, of course, Jerusalem isn't that uh, good a farm territory. There's much better farming uh, down in some of the valleys around Jerusalem uh, than there is in Jerusalem itself. Down in towards Hebron, the Eshkel Valley and all, much better farming. Even down towards Bethlehem and the valleys down through there. So one in 10 would, and so they cast lots to find out which ones would stay in Jerusalem and the rest would move into the surrounding territories and live in the surrounding territories. And so we have the names of the families upon whom the lots were drawn who should dwell in Jerusalem. And then beginning with verse 20, the names of the families that were to dwell in the other cities round about. And, uh, some of the cities and the villages where they were to dwell. In chapter 12, now these are the priests and the Levites, and so it gives the names of those priests and Levites that were serving at the time, and it gives their genealogy in verses 10 to 21, and then it tells the chief of the Levites, the priest. So when we get to verse 27 of chapter 12, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all of the places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals and psalteries and with harps. And so the time of the dedication of the wall was to be a time of great festivities, a lot of singing, a lot of music, a lot of just excitement and worship as they were dedicating the wall. So gathering uh, the Levites were most of them the musicians among the people, so to gather them together. And the sons of the singers, they gathered themselves together both out of the plain country and around about Jerusalem from the villages and also from the house of Gilgal and the fields of Geba and so forth. And from all over, the people gathered. And then he said, I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and I appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks whereof one went on the right hand of the wall towards the Dungate and uh, those that went down in that direction. And also, verse 43, that day they offered great sacrifices. They rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the wives also of the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. So a tremendous day dedicating the walls and worshiping God and just the shout and the joy and the singing was so glorious it was heard for a long distance. 
And at that time, some were appointed over the chambers of the treasures for the offerings and for the first fruits and for the tithes to gather them out of the fields. And both the singers and porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification according to the commandment of David and Solomon. For in the days of David, Asaph was appointed as the chief singer to sing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel, in the days of Nehemiah, gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion. And they sanctified the holy things of the Levites, and the Levites sanctified unto the children of Aaron. And on that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of all the people, and therein was found written that an Ammonite and a Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but they hired Balaam against them that he should curse them, howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass when they heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. So they're discovering things all the time in the law of God. As they're reading the law of God, they're discovering things, and then they're seeking to inaugurate them. And so reading again, they came across the passage that a Moabite uh, or an Ammonite were not to come into the house of God forever because of the treatment that they gave to the children of Israel when they were coming from Egypt into the promised land. They would not allow them to pass through their land. They wouldn't help them with food. They... King Balak hired Balaam to come and curse them and all. And so God said, don't let them in the house of the Lord throughout all their generations. So they, they separated all the mixed multitude out of them. Uh, before this, Eliashib, the priest, who had the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Now, Tobiah was this rat who gave Nehemiah so much trouble when he was trying to rebuild the law, but here the priest was a friend of his. And so he had prepared for him a great chamber in the temple, a place where they used to uh, keep the meal offerings or all of the, the, the wheat and for the meal offerings, the frankincense, the vessels and the ties of the corn and the new wine and the oil. One of the storage rooms the, the high priest gave to this guy Tobiah and put his furniture in there, let it become his living quarters. And here was this guy that gave such a hard time to Nehemiah in the building of the walls and so forth. Now this priest, because he's his friend, patronizing him and all, gives him a place to live in the temple. And uh, so we read that, but in all of this time, I was not at Jerusalem when these things were happening for he had returned back to Persia. And uh, he didn't know that uh, the priest had given this place to Tobiah there in the temple. And so he said, well, this time I wasn't in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, the king of Babylon, I came unto the king, and after certain days I obtained leave of the king. So after 12 years in Jerusalem, rebuilding the walls, setting things up, governing, he, Nehemiah returned back to Persia, came back to the king and no doubt gave him reports and all. And after a period of time, and we don't know how much time, the king of Persia allowed Nehemiah to come back to Jerusalem. And when he got back to Jerusalem, what does he find? But this rat Tobiah that had done so much to hinder the work of God, here he's got sumptuous quarters right in the temple of God. The, the priest has given him these these quarters, they took out the area where they stored the corn and so forth, and they said, here, you move right in, you know. Brother Rat, 
And so I came to Jerusalem, and when I found out the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of house of God, it grieved me sore. Therefore, I tossed all of his furniture out and Tobiah out of the chamber. And I commanded that they cleanse the chambers and brought again the vessels of the house of God and the meal of the frankincense. So man, he's coming back and he's cleaning house. He finds Tobiah's set up house, you know, his furniture and all, and man, he just tossed him out with his goods, put him out. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. So remember just a little while back, everybody had read the law and they said, oh, we're going to serve God. God, you know, we're going to write the covenant. We're going to sign. We're going to tithe. You know, we're going to support the temple. We'll give the shekel and so forth, third part of the shekel annually. We're going to do these things. God, we're going to keep your law. God, we're going to keep your Sabbaths and all. Didn't take him long to fall away from that commitment. Isn't it interesting how quickly we can turn away from the vows that we have made to God, how, how easily we can break vows? Now, the vows are really made in sincerity. Oh, how many vows I have broken. Growing up as a child, wanting to be better, wanting to be good, wanting to do the right thing. Oh, God, I'm going to pray every day this week. Oh, God, I'm going to live for you this week. Oh, God, I'm just going to serve you. And then it doesn't come. It doesn't happen. And the following Sunday night, I'd feel so guilty I'd have to get saved again. <laughs> and then I'd say, oh, God, this week is going to be different. Lord, I'm going to really serve you this week. And I would mean it. I was sincere. As Jesus said to Peter, the spirit indeed is willing. And that was so true of me. My spirit was willing. I loved the Lord. I wanted to serve the Lord. But my flesh was weak. The will to do was with me, but how to perform I could not find. I desired to serve God, and with my heart I did serve the Lord. But with my mind, with my flesh, it, I just couldn't bring it in. The flesh was weak. But yet in my heart, in my mind, I loved God and I wanted to serve God. And I made so many promises. And, and I was just like the children of Israel, making the promises, saying, Lord, we're going to do it. We're going to sign. Here we are. And I even signed covenants. Every summer camp, we had covenant signing up there. You know, I'm going to live a victorious life for Jesus Christ all year long. I'll never drink. I'll never smoke. I'll never go to the devil's places. And the whole thing. And standing around the campfire, tears flowing down my face. God, this year I'm going to serve you. The will was there. The desire was there. The problem came in the performance. How to perform, how to do. Oh, how I thank God for the day in which I discovered the grace of God. 
and that the blessings of God upon my life were not predicated upon my faithfulness to my promises or vows, but the blessings of God upon my life were bestowed because he is a God of grace, full of mercy. And I began to experience then the work of God in my life, his grace, his mercies. Don't make promises anymore. I found out making promises to God really wasn't to trust in his grace, but it was to trust in my flesh. I always thought I could do better. And every vow that I made was, was expressing to God some confidence in my flesh. Lord, I'm going to do this for you. And I meant it. But my flesh is weak. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there doesn't dwell a single good thing. So I do not challenge the sincerity of these people when they sign this covenant. God, we're going to serve you and all. But Nehemiah, the leader, goes, and soon the people are, you know, back to their old tricks. They're, they're not paying, and thus the Levites had to all go back out into their fields. They all had to go back and get their jobs again. They had to go to work. And thus the, the temple worship was forsaken. So Nehemiah said, I contended, contended, with the rulers, and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? I gathered them together and set them in their place and then brought all of Judah, the tithe of the corn and the new wine, the oil into the treasuries. And I made treasurers over the treasuries. And he names those that he made as treasurers. Remember me, he said, oh my God, concerning this and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. And in those days, I saw in Judah some who were treading their wine presses on the Sabbath day, and they were bringing in the sheaves, and they were loading down their donkeys, and also their wine and their grapes and their figs, and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold these victuals. And there dwelt men of Tyre also therein, and they brought fish and all manner of goods, and they sold on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and Jerusalem. Now they had said earlier, Lord, we're not going to buy on the Sabbath, and all. we're going to keep your Sabbath. Here they violated that. So I contended with the nobles of Judah, and I said unto them, What evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do that likewise, and God bring all of this evil upon us and upon the city? Yet they bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be open until after the Sabbath. And some of my servants said I at the gates that they should allow no burdens to be brought in on the Sabbath day. So Nehemiah, to correct this violation of the Sabbath, ordered in the evening before the Sabbath began, close and lock the gates and don't unlock them until the Sabbath is over. Stop the trafficking on the Sabbath day. Now, it is interesting that the Jews actually start closing down on Friday afternoon about 2 o'clock for the Sabbath. Just as Nehemiah established before it gets dark, they start taking off now for their Sabbath about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They close their shops. And also that everything is over. By the time the sun goes down, the family is all gathered in the home, and the mother offers her little prayers. She lights the uh, Sabbath candle. And uh, they begin then their Sabbath worship. Also, there are some areas of Jerusalem where they're seeking to enforce the Sabbath. 
and they don't want any cars driven through their area on the Sabbath day. And so they put barricades up in front of some of the streets. So the, you know, there are some streets in Jerusalem where you can't even drive a car on the Sabbath day. And then there are boys who have their piles of stones. And if you decide that you're going to drive a car there anyhow, you'll find your car stoned on the Sabbath day. Now, that's a violation of the Sabbath day to uh, bear a burden, hurl a stone, but they, they feel righteous in doing it. And, and they actually stone the cars that would drive through their neighborhoods on the Sabbath day. Now, Nehemiah was forcing the Sabbath. He Close the gates in the evening before it gets dark. Go ahead and lock the gates and don't open them up until the Sabbath is over. So some of the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of wares were lodged outside of the Jerusalem for a couple of weeks, once and then twice. So I testified against them and I said unto them, why are you lodging about the wall? If you do this again, I'm going to lay hands on you. And so from that time forth, they did not come anymore on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. So remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Lord, remember my good deeds. And in those days also I saw Jews that had married wives from Ashdod and Ammon and Moab, and the children spoke half the speech of Ashdod, and they could not speak the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them and cursed them, and I smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons for, or for yourselves. So, oh, Nehemiah's really straightening things out. <laughs> Pulling out their hair, cursing them. And, uh, and, and, of course, going back, though, they entered into a curse. We're not going to do this. And they said, you know, let us be cursed if we do this thing. And, and they made their vows and, and, you know, said, let us be cursed if we violate this back a couple of chapters. And now they have violated, so he curses them because they said, let us be cursed if we do it. So he went ahead and cursed them and plucked off their hair and smote them. He was tough. He said, did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. So one of the greatest problems is outlandish women. And uh, even a guy as wise as Solomon and loved as Solomon was, Outlandish women were his downfall. You know, there is something here. <laughs> Solomon had quite a bit to say about it in the book of Proverbs. Concerning that woman who flatters with her lips, winks with her eyes, says, come, my husband is on a journey, my bed is all perfumed. He said, don't go into her house, for it is the gate of hell. Many strong men are destroyed. Solomon was speaking perhaps out of personal experience. As wise as he was, as blessed of God as he was, yet outlandish women, his, his downfall was women actually, 
And it was, it was a curse, and it was his downfall. It, it caused his downfall. So Nehemiah is reminding them, look, you guys, you can't handle it. Uh, a guy as wise as Solomon was destroyed by outlandish women, and you're going to be destroyed too. Shall we then hearken unto you and do all this great evil to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Joida, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law to Samballot. Now Samballot was the other guy. Tobiah was one, Samballot was the other. They gave Nehemiah a bad time. Therefore, I chased him out of there. Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. And thus I cleansed them from all the strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. And for the wood offering and for the times appointed and for the first fruits, remember me, O oh my God, for good. So the story of Nehemiah, very, very remarkable person, very honorable person. I like him. I like his spirit. <laughs> I like his dedication to God, his commitment be fun meeting him. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Esther on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Nehemiah 11 through 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give you a beautiful week of fellowship with Him as you walk with the Lord in the light of His Word. May He just spread His glory on your way. And may you just experience more and more the love of God and the grace of God as His Spirit works in your heart the spirit of grace and supplications. God bless you and keep you in the name of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking, and are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? 
The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.